Welcome to the Permission Granted Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Angel. And in today's episode, we are going to get into microaggression. I'm going to help you identify the different forms microaggression takes and give you some tools, tips, and techniques on how to deal with it. Without further delay, let's get started. Hello, my loves. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about microaggression when I really started taking note of it and noticing that I was on the receiving end of microaggression and what I do today to navigate through it and really just um, not let it not let it have too much weight, you know, in my daily activities, you know, seeing it and then navigating around it. So I would say um, I had to really start thinking about when was my first time that I became aware that I was on the receiving end of some microaggressive behavior. Before we get into it, I don't have the book definition in front of me. I am gonna give you the angel definition as it pertains to me. For me, the difference between microaggression and passive aggression, passive aggressive behavior is quite simple. There are some people who are naturally um, non-confrontational And before I start really getting into this, before I even start getting into this, I got to warn you, if you've got sensitive ears, if you're offended easily, you don't like South Philly, 100% real, 100% raw, where I may drop an F-bomb or whatever, you need to go ahead and put some headphones on or just go ahead and excuse yourself from this podcast because I'm going to keep it a thousand. Okay, so again, back to the difference between microaggression versus passive aggressive behavior. For me, in my opinion, passive aggressive people, they really don't like conflict, however, directly, but they don't mind stirring the pot. And they'll do so by making a right comment, some old slick ass comment, or not doing something that they're supposed to do. Let's say you're a parent and you tell your kid, hey, you need to do X, Y, Z, they either drag their feet doing it or they do it in such a half-assed manner where you you either get mad at them and just do it yourself or which is what they wanted you to do anyway because they didn't feel like doing it or you could be in a position of authority it's the same way you know the people that you have to continuously stay on stay on and stay on because they're just doing passive aggressive bullshit and I will tell you I find passive-aggressive people super aggravating as well. And I usually see them and I check them on the spot because I don't have time for it. And it's either I I, I do the checking directly or indirectly. It depends on how it presented itself to me. Microaggressive is different. Micro microaggressive people are very targeted and measured in their behavior. They know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly that they're doing this microaggressive thing to get a particular result. Let me explain. When I think back to the earliest days that I became on the receiving end of it, I was um, I was in high school. And you know, you have a group of people that you associate with and you have conversations, you know, and me and someone who I was mad tight with, we're having a conversation. The next thing I know, I'm being confronted about what I said. And the only person that could have conveyed that information was the person to whom I was speaking to. That, and I'm going to just call it what it is, that little sneaky bitch 
did not convey that we were having a conversation. So she too was saying whatever it is we were talking about. So Angel said, Angel said, we all have those people who love dropping your name. And my grandmother later in life told me this, which I adopted. And it's so funny that I, I ended up a lot like my great grandmother and I never met her. But she said that her mother told her that if someone comes to you and they're saying someone said X, Y, Z about you, you ask that person who's telling you, is there, is everything okay? Whatever I did to you, I apologize because clearly you're coming to me with this third party shit because you got something you want to get off your chest. So whatever it is, I apologize. And if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. But please don't put nobody else's name into it because I'm going to go right back to this person that you're saying who said this. And that is how you nip that crap in the bud. You get to the source of the real issue. So either that person is telling you this, quoting the other person because they don't like you and they're a coward and cannot confront whatever it is they got going on that you're doing that they don't like. So they're going to quote somebody else as saying it or they don't like the other person who they're throwing under the bus. Either way, do not let your, yourself be a party to it if it's not coming from a genuine place. Seriously, because you can get hemmed up. That's what I mean by microaggressive people. They know exactly what the heck they're doing. So that's some of the earliest stuff that I can remember. And later on in life, a couple more times, people just love to quote me. But my response was, was uh, you hit me with a hundred. I'm gonna hit you back with a thousand because I'm not going to allow myself to be dragged into anybody in their mess. So another one. So that was a personal example. Another microaggressive example that I can speak from experience from is in the workforce. Now, you got people who have their isms and their bias. So me coming on scene as a black woman, right off the bat, I've got two things that if somebody has a bias or I may be the only black woman in the workforce, already they have an agenda. So what will be your, what I began to see was I'm kicking butt. I'm handling business. I'm, I'm knocking it out of the park on all fronts. It comes time to, for evaluations and you have a count and I have a counterpart or two or three who quite frankly are just not, they're not better than me, but they're the ones that's getting the opportunities to advance. They're the ones who are getting the stellar marks. They're the ones who are getting all the pat on the back. Sometimes they're even getting pats on the back for work that I did. So fast forward, I'm in the game a few years. And I flat out asked one of the uh, supervisors, I said, hey, you know, you said I'm doing a fantastic job and, you know, thank you for that great feedback. My question to you is, I noticed that you marked this person higher than me. What are the things that I can do to, you know, excel and to remain competitive? And this person, and I mean, I've always felt it, but this person, he kept it a thousand. He just like, well, really nothing, you know, you're doing, you know, I feel like you are really maximizing your potential here. Keep it up. And I'm saying, if I'm not the, and I told him, if I'm not the number one person that's being evaluated, that's not knocking it out the park. 
And it's kind of disconcerting that you're basically telling me that there's nothing that I can do to outperform this other other person. So thank you for your candor. And from that moment on, my attitude shifted. My attitude shifted and I became uber, uber, uber focused on self. And some people got their panties in a bunch about it. And to this day, I don't give not nan fucks. I saw the game and one of my friends told me best. In this game that we're playing, you have to decide if you're going to be the pimp or you're going to be the hoe. It's really that simple. When you are early in the game, your hands are tied. So you kind of have to be the hoe. But once you are in the position where you got some seasoning underneath you, if you're being the hoe, it's because you're choosing to be the hoe. And he was 100% on point. Because at that point that I met him, I only had like three more years to go. And I wasn't going to be anybody's hoe. It was all about me getting what was mine. And I was not about to sit up here and, and have all of these uber sacrifices trying to get it. Those days were over and I wasn't about to make any apologies about it. And I've pretty much kept that attitude from that day to this one. So again, an example is you you just don't get the amount of recognition and the opportunities to advance because someone is using a microaggressive attitude to essentially hold you back. Another example, we all have those people. They, they see that you have a kind of rock star mentality about yourself. You're a go-getter. People like you. You connect with people. They don't have the ability to do that or they just don't have the ability to connect on the, the different levels, whatever it may be. Being aligned with you is of benefit to them. And on the surface, they do the surface things and, you know, they'll, they'll do just enough to remain in your presence, but they can't give a compliment. Everybody else is heaping praise or, you know, or giving you support or whatever. It could be something as simple as wishing you a happy birthday. Now, you notice they wish everybody else, you know, social media, you can see what people are doing. They don't have a problem wishing other people happy birthday, encouragement, X, Y, Z. But when it comes to you, crickets, insert crickets. Onesies, twosies, maybe they were busy, didn't see it, whatever. But when you continuously see a pattern, that's a pattern. And that's a pattern that if your instincts are telling you something is foul about it, nine times out of ten, they are, it is. So be mindful of that microaggressive behavior. Another one is people who have microaggressive tendencies tend to drop little bombs. And they just drop bomblets here, there, here, there, here, there. Individually, it seems innocuous, but when you start adding it up, it, it starts to take a toll. Let's keep it professional in the professional realm. Let's say you have to check said name person who's microaggressive. For instance, you're the person in charge. You're the project manager. There's a team meeting and you have this person who will just completely ignore your authority and start acting like they're running the show. Er, one second pause, please. What are we doing here? That's not what we talked about. Here's what we're gonna do and when you redirect them, reiterating what the game plan was from the outset. We could be two, three days, two, three hours, or two, three, two to three weeks into something, and you have to correct them. Then they want to get indignant. <laughs> well, I wasn't inferring that I was 
XYZ. Oh, I thought that I was doing the XYZ. And then you have to check them. Actually, I'm doing XYZ. And I, along with the group, have, have we, we spelled out swim lanes here. So I'm not sure where the disconnect happened. And you have to check them. And for me, you check them at the scene of the disrespect. And they get indignant when you do that. But they don't have a problem microaggressively undermining your authority. But they want to get indignant and play victim when you have to check them. It's stuff like that, that by the time you add up the microaggressive behavior of you're standing in the elevator, awkward silence, and the other person just expects you to push their button for them. Why should I have to push your daggone button? You know what floor you're supposed to get off on. You knew that when you got on the elevator. Oh, could you push floor number seven, please? Uh, do I look like your servant? You know, it's just certain people. And y'all are listening. You know what I'm talking about. So coming in the door, you're hitting, somebody hits you with the microaggressive behavior where they just don't hold the door open or they have and rush through the door so the door slams in your face. They didn't physically take the door and slam it in your face, but they didn't do anything to keep it from happening. That's microaggression. So before your day even gets started, you got somebody doing that. You get upstairs, you have a meeting in the scenario I mentioned but above, but before it just happened. And then when you get off, somebody who may be in your circle is pulling their bullshit. So by the time you start adding up these little cuts, eventually you're going to get to the part where you have had enough because it's toxic and you know and the question is how do you navigate through and around it one of the first things to to uh that has helped me is a recognizing that your instincts are on point number two developing the most appropriate game plan because even if we want to handle something that happens in the workplace the way we would handle it on the streets, you really can't. You have to be professional. And what is the best way to handle it? You have to look at all sides and figure it out. You just can't knee-jerk react. Always be in the position of being proactive. With the with the friend, it, you, you need to reevaluate your circle. And if you've got people who are micro-aggressive in your circle, be it friend, associate, or whatever, they got to go. And you don't have to be dramatic about it you just need to not make yourself available for that mess because eventually it will begin to take its toll if your instincts are telling you something is not right and it's foul very subtle but still foul nine times out of ten another way to navigate to it and through it is to surround that same level of toxicity in the people bringing it with people who lift you up, they are your butterflies, and they are in your tribe. Because if they're not for you, they can't be in your tribe. Cut them out and don't look back. You have to open yourself up to people who lift you up and allow you space to be who you are and not feel like you have to be so guarded that you are not, uh, you know, fully actualizing because it can leave you stagnant and stuck. And you also 
um, some people in their toxicity and their microaggression will try to make you feel guilty for your success. They drop little hints or they always are in your inbox or on your wall trying to get you to help promote something they're doing. But when it comes time for you and whatever your project is, and you know, at this point we're entrepreneurs, they, they want your product for free or they, they want it at a discount or they assume that you have time to squeeze them in, but they did not book an appointment like everybody. Everything is not necessarily microaggressive, but the behavior has microaggressive tendencies, especially when you tell them, hey, go ahead and make an appointment over here. And you can do it very sweetly and be like, hey, just go ahead and book your appointment through my website because that way it's annotated. You know, you have an automation system where they come in on your website, you get the email, you set up the discovery phone call, and you book the appointment, just like any other customer. Because when you start cutting corners, when you start making accommodations for people on the friend slash hookup, you're not being a businesswoman. And if they see you constantly allowing them to do it, they're going to continue to constantly do it. Nip it in the bud. Sometimes the microaggressive behavior could just be masqueraded as people not having proper manners, home training, whatever the case may be. But if it's something where it's undermining your ability to conduct your business, you have to say something and you can do you can be very, very gentle about it. And if they do not adhere, then you don't do business with them. I have had to turn down several people when I have failed to do that. It has turned around and nipped me in the butt. And I will mention this. I don't talk a lot about my clients. But I would just say, again, microaggressive. Had a client. He's a great client. The subsequent um, project involved another person. And this person, even though I was very direct in the, the scope, constantly trying to expand the scope where I finally said that is outside the scope of what this contract is about. Now the person who I booked the appointment with and the person who paid me, I had no problem with it. So microaggressive behavior is people who just push boundaries after you clearly lay them out and you have to redirect and get in focus. And for me, now that the project has, you know, completed itself and moved on, that little incident is behind me and you move on, it's lessons learned, you have to directly address it. It can get a little awkward, but it gets more awkward if you allow it and now the behavior is just out and out. You have to ask, okay, if I were a male, would this person be even having this conversation? It's just these little microaggressive things that people do to undermine your ability to effectively do what you do and you have to address it you know one of the other lasting effects is it gets exhausting and it begins to take you away from the things that you like to do because you don't have mental bandwidth to to put into the things you really enjoy and that is why it's so important to recognize the microaggressive behavior and decide how you're going to handle it. You know, you may have a mentor who who can talk you through it because I guarantee you we all in some way, shape or form, at least once a week, deal with this stuff. And you don't even realize it's taking a toll until you're tapped out. And sometimes just the 
the strength that goes into not responding to it is stressful. We have enough stress. We don't need to add to it. And we definitely don't need somebody in their microaggressive bullshit adding to this thing called life. So to recap, I'm going to talk about what we went over. Some of the things I may not have gone into too much detail. And again, it warrants a different conversation. One, One example I wanted to mention was, hey, well, Angel said... When really is what they want to convey, but they're just, they're just dropping your name uh, to get around them being identified as the real culprit. Is microaggression. The so-called friend who seizes the one time. This is something I didn't go into. The one time you may be down or out, they seize that moment as a gotcha. Well, you know, peeling the onion back. You did this, 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 and bringing up all this old stuff. That has nothing to do with the current situation. And you had no idea that they had this whole list of inventory of things that you may have done that they had a problem with. But they seized the opportunity to kick you in your neck or the one who just won't give praise. They just can't do it. They just can't do it because deep down they're envious. They've always been envious. And it shows his ugly head by what they're not doing. And it could be something simple as showing support, being there, showing up. Can't do it. Always busy. Always got something else going on. Oh, I've got one better. What about that one who constantly has you under surveillance? They might not be a friend, but they're an associate or they're someone you know, a friend of a friend. Always tracking your moments. Always tracking your movements. And... They're, they're so busy watching what you do. Then the next thing you know, they're appropriating what you do. And then, you know, the saying, the saying goes, oh, well, the biggest form of flattery is imitation. Not necessarily. For me, the biggest form of appropriation is somebody taking something that you have conceptualized and are in the process of executing or they turn around and do the same thing. So I got a little message for y'all. You may steal my recipe, but the sauce will not taste the same. So good luck. Another example are the ones who they feel like you can help elevate them, but they also have connections where they can help elevate you, but they won't do it. They'll give that opportunity to somebody else. But you've been rolling with them forever, always have their back, always showing up, volunteering, whatever the case may be. But when it comes time to put you on to an opportunity that they know will be a great fit for you because you've clearly articulated this is what you want or the opportunity to do something that you want, they can't do it. But they don't have a problem offering that same um, information hook up whatever to someone else because they just don't really deep down want to see you win they really don't they want to always try to either see you drowning or see you stagnant or or have you remain in service to them which brings me to my next point those who act like you have done something to them when you cease to be available and put yourself first For example, I resigned from my government job and I went out to school and I had this person who I always have their back, always, 
always showing up, always spreading the word because I really, truly am proud of them. But the minute I made a decision for myself, I didn't get, oh, that is so fantastic. I knew this is something you wanted to do. You've been talking about this. Congratulations, girl. I got, wow, what? You're leaving me. Wait, hold up. I'm sorry. At what point was this conversation about you? Let me help you out with the proper response. Hey, girl, I am excited for you. Cannot wait to hear all of your updates. Congratulations. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Yes, you did. Because I had the nerve to make myself available to myself primarily. And I ceased to be available to you. Then I noticed when it's certain high high profile things that she had going on, didn't get a phone call. But she had her little cronies, but conveniently forgets to call me when it's something that could be beneficial to me. And it's high profile. Oh, yeah, I see you. Here's another one. The one who makes the empty promises about, oh, girl, give me all your information. I'm going to post it on my wall. Or you let me know when your next event is and I'll sign up so I can be there. Or I need to book appointments and then don't show up. Or, oh, I was going to call you. I had something else that came up. Or you're looking for your deposit. But constantly in your inbox trying to get you to spend money on them. How about I'm not available and no, you're not getting a dime. Love you, but I peeped your shadiness about two decades ago. Not interested. I see you. Now, these are the ones just right off the top of my head. I'm sure there are more, but I'm sure that all y'all listening out there, you can relate. And it's something that resonates in. I, I It's not necessarily for men and women. As a photographer, I've had this happen to me on both the male and the female side. You go out, you're shooting with people. You ask, hey, can you take a few shots of me working? Because I want to put this on my website. You know, clients like to see action shots. Okay, sure, no problem. You you send them the behind the scenes or the BTS shots you got. You know, you're trying to make sure you cover a few angles and you got them covered, right? Then you get you ask them to send you their BTS shots. You get, oh, I gotta find them because they haven't done so in an, in the agreed upon time frame. Usually, it's three to five days after the shoot. Hey, do you have those shots? You know what? I got busy working on the ones for the uh, the client. Let me let me look for them and I'll get them over to you never hear back or you got to hound them or they just give you one or two when you've seen them in multiple occasions taking pictures of you working but they only give you one shot uh, or when you get the shots it's of your back or it's some old crappy ass shot that you can't put on your website it's blurry it's at a weird angle it's dark you can't even edit it it's like what in the absolute hell is going on. This has happened to me on more than one occasion, different races, different age groups, males and females. I can honestly say I've had one or two great behind the scenes people to shoot me. And it's good enough for me to actually have on my website. One of them is my granddaughter. Believe it or not, it is my grandchild because you really can't, tr- and my son, you really can't trust people. I've got a wonderful, uh, my co-creator, she she does a fantastic job, but she actually took photography classes. So, and it showed in her work, but very few and far between. And I was in photography school. I see these shots and it just infuriates me. People deep down, I really think just don't want to see you win. So they're not going to come out and say it. 
they give you lip service and say they want to see you in, but the way they fail to deliver, that is on some old microaggressive bullshit and I don't have time for it. Super annoying. Something that recently just happened. You, you, you got to wonder why, why, why do people surprise you? Cause this actually was a surprise. It was a disappointment, but it really was a surprise. And all I have to do is just keep it moving. I have to keep doing what I normally do and just align with people who are going to give me the platform and the exposure that I need um, to keep growing and to keep my stuff going in the direction I want it to go in. And that is what I say to you. You have got to surround yourself with your tribe of butterflies who are going to give you your wings and keep boosting you and buoying you along so that you continue to be motivated and continue to fly because as we get older we really do need each other and what I found is I, I do enjoy my solo time um, I've also made a concerted effort to make sure I build my tribe a, a tribe of like-minded women mainly yeah, I have my guys too but mainly my, my girls they got me and I'm very, very appreciative of that. Um, you know, I've got friends who I've only met in the last three years that are like more on board and more on point than people I, that I've known for decades. And I am blessed in that, that I have met these wonderful, beautiful people who don't have to support me the way that they do, but they do. And that's what I tell you all. If you're not getting the support that you need, you need to seek out those who can give you what you need. And for your microaggressive people, if these are people you have to deal with on a professional basis, you deal with them and you keep it limited and you don't let them dim your shine. And when it comes to your personal life, you have got to purge that toxicity out. You can't change them. You cannot, um, you can, I must say it again, you can't change them, but you can change yourself and you can, uh, you can change the effect that their behavior has on you. And some people don't even know they're being microaggressive because to me, microaggressive people tend to project outward whatever they have going on inward. If it's an insecurity towards you, it's more than likely insecurity rooted in themselves. You are not a psychologist. That is something for them to work on and fix. We all have our imperfections. It becomes an issue when you project those imperfections on other people who did nothing to you. Ultimately, it's toxic behavior and you have got to nip it in the bud, cut it out like a cancer and keep it moving. And that, my loves, is our discussion about microaggressive, microaggressive behavior, microaggression, its effect on you and the tools you can use to navigate around it, navigate through it. Get out there, get after it, take care of yourself, hashtag self-care, and be unapologetic in how you do it. Well, my loves, that concludes our episode. Did anything resonate with you? Did I walk down your block a little bit? Did you learn a little something? If so, go ahead and drop us a comment below and please like and share with your friends. Be sure to hop on over to www.angelchestnut.com forward slash blog where you can subscribe to our newsletter and catch up on all of our blog posts. 
You can find us on social media at Angel Chestnut Studio. We are on Facebook and Instagram. As always, thank you for listening.